You are now listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Doc, sharing insights through real, honest, and practical ways to improve your communication and relationships. Featuring your hosts, Dr. Pamela Kreiser, Meredith Edwards, and Taylor Polendo. When Molly McManamy was 19, she dreamed of becoming an NFL agent. She began researching what it would take to fulfill that dream, and she found out the odds were against her. The vast majority of NFL agents are male, and most of them dominate the client base. How would Molly break into this career as an inexperienced female? Listen to our interview with Molly and find out how she was able to not only achieve her dream of becoming an agent at 24, but at 28 become a vice president of client services for Carrick Sports. Learn about her inspiring journey and her daily strategies that have resulted in her remarkable achievements. Welcome to our podcast, Molly. Thank you. We are excited to have you here. One of the reasons we wanted you to be on the podcast was because the people we select are all selected because they're individuals who have traded comfort for growth and try to do things that maybe are are uncomfortable, but worth doing to make big progress. And we identify that in you as someone who hasn't necessarily taken the easy route. So tell us about yourself and give us a little overview who you are and what you do. Yeah. So the quick background spiel on me is I uh, went to undergrad at Cal State Long Beach, got my communication studies degree there, and then moved on to Chapman University where I got my law degree. And I went into law school with the intention to become an NFL agent. That was always kind of the plan. But once I got to law school, things just got hard and messy and you get kind of sucked into this hole of law school (laughs) where everybody, everybody is you know, talking about the law and everyone has these big aspirations to do this and that. And I always kind of felt like I didn't fully belong there, but I really did enjoy law school for the curriculum and the, all the things that you learn there. I think law school makes you just a better person. So I'm still very happy I did it, but luckily my job found me going into my 3L. My boss sought me out and he was running a NFL agency at the time. And he was running it all by himself. He had been doing it for about seven years and he was finally ready to hire someone. So going into my 3L year, which for those people who don't know is your last year of law school, I got hired to work in client services for the agency with the idea that I would be groomed and mentored into an agent myself. So now I'm going on almost six years with the company and um, almost, I know (laughs) it's crazy. It is crazy. Four years as a certified agent. I work for about 30 NFL players right now and also one women's soccer player. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. As we like to say on this podcast, we say, so your real business is communication and you're also an NFL agent. Absolutely. Communication and people. That's what I work in. And it just happens to be that those people play football. What does that mean to work for 30 players? What are you doing for those players? I'm an NFL agent. That's the capacity that most people know me as, but I'm also the vice president of client services now. So what I do every day is I, I'm basically in client relations. Anything the clients need, they're able to call me, whether it's something small and silly, like they need a rental car set up or something really big, like, hey, I'm going to propose and I need you to help me with the engagement rings. It's kind of all over the spectrum. And then there's also, of course, football stuff in there. But I'm basically the go-to person they can call at any hour of the day. So that's why I communicate with all 30 players every week-ish. 
And then in my agent capacity, I'm the person for those three players that, that I have under my umbrella. They, I actually negotiate their NFL contracts and I'm the person that the GMs and the teams call directly to work with that player. Mm-hmm. But I still do the client relationship stuff for my, my players as well. That's just the only difference is my boss is the agent for those other, you know, 25 ish players. And so he's the one that actually communicates with teams on those guys. Do you have to have a knowledge of football to be an NFL agent? Yes. My boss always says no. I think that is crap because (laughs) (laughs) I love him, but he, I think he says that to be, you know, inclusive and open, Mm -hmm. but really a lot of my job is making sure I get my players into places where they fit well. And if you don't understand the game or schematics of the game, it's really hard to know where your player's skill set fits best. Because even if you know, like, oh, this team needs a running back, if you don't know the type of running back they actually need, and you mm-hmm. don't understand why that's different, you're, I don't think you can do as good of a job for your client. Now, what you could do is you could just negotiate the dollars and have someone on your team that helps you with the actual mm-hmm. football stuff. So I don't think it's impossible to do this without a football knowledge, but I, I think it greatly assists you. Plus it makes the job more enjoyable. And I kind of feel like you've always been a football fan. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been going to UCLA football games since I was born. So we've been season ticket holders my whole life. It's kind of what led me to wanting to do this is my love for football. So when did you kind of get the dream of becoming an NFL agent? I was about 19 years old. I realized I wanted to go to law school and I loved football. So I asked myself, what can I do with both things? And obviously I thought about working for a team, being a general counsel, but I have always had the just like knack and desire to just help people. And I love that client relationship aspect of it. So I asked my dad's corporate attorney at the time what she thought about those two things. And she said, well, a lot of agents are attorneys. And it literally, I went home from that dinner and I Googled how to become an NFL agent and everything just kind of set in motion. And I never looked back. (laughs) Nice. Wow. Oh, that's awesome. You're talking about this since 19. Yeah. Because you have to have an advanced degree to be an NFL agent. It took me, I became certified about, I think I was two two weeks after I turned 26. So I mean, seven years in the making it, 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 it took that long. It's not like I took breaks or anything. It truly, I had to get my degree, then my law degree, then take the NFLPA exam takes that long. You got to really want it. And what's the exam about? It is on the CBA, which just got renegotiated recently. It's open book. So it's not as difficult as it sounds, but you do have to study for it. So a lot of, especially attorneys come in and they think I took the bar and this is open book. How hard can this really be? So the pass rate is usually about 40%. It's really low. Hmm. Yeah. And I mean, still better than the bar. Yes. (laughs) I had taken the bar the summer before. For me, this really felt like fun because it was about football. And I also was lucky enough to work with a man that does a prep course for the test. I had all these things going for me. And so I was actually excited for the exam. It's three hours long, pretty hard to pass because I think you have to get almost like 80% of the questions right. And it's Mm -hmm. pass fail. So you either get it right or you don't. And then you have to wait an entire year to retake it if you want. (sighs) Yeah, so it's a lot of pressure. (laughs) 
Yeah, especially if that's what you want to do for your career. Yeah, exactly. Do you take it again at some point or is it one time you take it and you're good? That's a great question. Requirements were you take that exam, you pass, and then you pay your dues and you pay for liability insurance. Once every three years, you have to have a client you actually negotiate a contract for. That's the hardest part because a bunch of people go and get certified and they fulfill the other requirements, but they can't land a client or they do and that client never makes it. So they never negotiate a contract. That is the one hurdle. And now they've implemented requirement where every two years you have to take an online test and pass it. If you fail the online test, you have to retake the big test. If you fail that, you get your license suspended. Oh, no. Yeah. So if you're not a test taker... It's kind of crazy. There was a big uproar between the agents and the NFLPA who governs us. We have a seminar every year at the Combine in Indianapolis, and it was so heated because these longtime, you know, 40, 50 year agents were just felt so disrespected that all of a sudden their knowledge is going to be challenged every two years. It's a hot topic. I can imagine so, man. You said that you feel like the NFL is where you belong and that your education has made you a better person. How do those two things connect for you? Like, In what ways do you feel like you've grown and then brought that version of yourself into this work environment? What I meant by law school makes you a better person is a lot of people go into it with the only end goal of becoming a lawyer. But there's so many aspects of my life, including my job now, that I'm better at because of law school. From simply voting in elections to advocating for people. I loved my experience for those reasons alone. But then on top of it, I look at law school as and and college as kind of like a buffet. And you should try a bunch of things and put it into your toolbox. Because in any job you do, you're going to want to pull those things out of your toolbox, because they make you better than the next person or better equipped to handle something your client needs. Awesome. On a a personal note, I did check out your Instagram. Can you tell us a little bit about your dog? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) This is the real stuff I care about. Yeah, I I adopted him two months ago this weekend. So he's new in my life, but he's around the same age as the podcast. Oh, Oh my gosh. We always know this now. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I'm gone full blown crazy dog mom. I kind of knew I would, but I there's some things I do that I laugh at myself like sweaters and stuff he just has bandanas i don't i haven't done full clothes yet but i'm sure that's coming (laughs) my bad on the tangent i was just excited about that for you so of course we want to ask you about being a woman nfl agent one question is are there many of those are there few of those and what's that like for you as I was explaining, you know, the whole idea that you can take the test and pass it and technically become an agent, you need to get a client at some point in those three years to be able to continue to do this job. So that's really important. Right now, I think there's about 40 ish of us in comparison to I think there's about 850 certified agents. Wow. Yeah. And then of that 40 only, I think at the time, only like 17 of us had a client. And by client, I mean, someone that's on an active NFL roster. Mm -hmm. It's a very, very small number. And there's a lot of headlines and great flash things that are happening. Agents getting first round picks. Now I have a friend, Nicole, and she's going to probably have a first round pick for the third year in a row, which is so great for Mm -hmm. women. But when you look at then there's 31 men that have one in the round two, when you compare it in that way, 
it's exciting for the second. And then you're like, it's just not normal enough yet. It's mm-hmm. a very small number and it, and it seems like it's growing, but then every time I see the numbers, it's actually not. Hmm. When you were Googling become an NFL agent when you were 19, did it occur to you that you were going to be somewhat of a pioneer? Yeah, which is kind of what excited me about it. <laughs> I don't think I could do something that wasn't a total challenge. It really does motivate me to do something bigger than myself. I know I've shown at least a few women that it's possible. I already know I've made an impact in this industry in that way, even before I negotiate a big contract. I just didn't realize how small the numbers were. When I was doing you know, my research, there was probably three or four women who were actually doing this. Hmm. And it was wow. Kelly Masters, Kristen Kaluga, Christina Phillips, and there's like a couple others that are kind of the OGs, we call them the the godmothers of, <laughs> of the agent business. And then now there's this newer group and we're all friends or we at least all keep in touch, even though we're technically competitors, because our whole theory is I would rather lose out on a client if I'm going head to head with a woman than another man, because that's been happening forever. Mm-hmm. We all kind of support each other because we we have all been in that situation where we Googled And there was like not really any representation there. Yeah. Who or what is your biggest motivator in this world that you're in? My faith is number one. I pray about everything before I do it in business and in life. And I really feel like that's why I'm here. And I've had to, over the last few years, redefine my my definition of success because Mm -hmm. this business is so Mm ego-driven. And I've had to redefine what would actually mean I was successful at this according to my faith. I've had to do a lot of soul searching because this industry will chew you up and spit you out so quickly if you get caught up in, well, this person is doing better than me and why don't I have the amount of clients they have? And it can really be defeating. And I still get caught up in it, especially with social media, because every other day there's a list coming out or there's an article written about someone and you have to really check your ego and say, I'm not in this to make a top 10 list or to even, I could never have a first round pick. And I can honestly say I would be okay with that because I've figured out to me what makes me successful through my faith. But then my parents, I live to make them proud. Anytime I can call them or give them good news, it makes me feel like everything they did for me as a kid, they they really feel like, okay, that was all worth it. <laughs> so just a little shout out. Hey, mom and dad, thanks for listening. Yeah. Yeah, they'll probably listen. <laughs> no, I think they have to listen. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they will. I have I have a few few fans. I call them. It's my parents and like my cousin. <laughs> if you don't define success as getting a particular first round draft pick, or if you don't define it in the ego ways of this world, do you define it as the relationship building, or do you find it as serving other people? What's the service that you believe you provide out of that place of faith that is the different product than other people are serving? When you get really into this business, you realize every single client is different and their journeys are going to be different. So even the first round picks are going to face adversity at some point. And obviously other players who don't go in the first round probably face adversity sooner, whether it means they go undrafted and they wanted to be drafted or they get cut early on. There's so many things that can happen. Injuries. For me, what I pray about is to be placed with the people that I'm supposed to be placed with. I love being able to help guys with their philanthropic things and 
I love seeing even just their families at the games. You know, a lot of these guys don't come from a lot of money or anything. And then mm-hmm. you get to take these families on the football field and they see their son and it, those moments you cannot replace. And it, I can't even tell you the feeling of helping a guy achieve, you know, a lifelong dream like that, whether he goes first overall or he goes undrafted and makes the team that way, helping a guy just get to where he's supposed to be. Um, both in football, but in life, you know, whatever that means for him. And it's always different. So you have to really be close with your clients to understand what their version of success is. Mm. So I'm guessing you ask a lot of questions. Oh, yeah. And I'm the agent that calls them like every day. (laughs) I remember this time last year when I was helping Joshua Kelly through the draft. This was when COVID, you know, shut everything down prematurely. We had no plan B. Like this year, at least we were prepared. I was calling him I swear twice a day. And I kept telling him like, don't worry, the draft is in two weeks and you won't hear from me for a little bit after that. And they obviously don't mind. I'm just doing my job, but I'm always trying to keep a pulse on what's going on with them just because you can notice red flags really early on. And that's how you eliminate a lot of those, you know, bad headlines you see with athletes, Mm. unfortunately. Going back to being a representative of women, small number of you in a large group of men, are there some common misconceptions you've experienced being a female agent? Uh, wh- which have you experienced or are there any kind of topics you're done talking about or annoyed with? <laughs> <laughs> My first advice is always to do the work. If you do the work, then people will respect you because they can't argue then with your merit. Mm -hmm. And if they're just someone who's completely sexist and really just doesn't want women in the business, they're going to treat you bad no matter what. But if you do the work, the right people are going to respect you. And I would say sometimes I feel like GMs and scouts feel it's refreshing to talk to me. (laughs) You're a different, fresh perspective on it. So it can almost be used to an advantage because you're going to be memorable no matter what, whether you make that memory good or bad is up to you because there's no other agent named Molly. I'm the only Molly agent out there. They'll never confuse <laughs> me with someone else. So I, I have to make it a good memory. I go to these football events and it's kind of what you think of. I'm the only girl in the bar. Sometimes I'm the only girl in the stands at the all-star games. But once you get down to the nitty gritty of when I'm really doing the actual work of talking to teams, negotiating, they treat me very well and I've never really run into anything super negative or bad yet, at least. What about the work that you're talking about that you do? Are you most proud of right now? I really appreciate you asking that because I have been advocating people to start asking these questions to women in football in sports in general and, and stop just talking about the fact that we're women and let us talk about our work. So I just wanted to note that, that I, you're the first person I think to ever ask me that. When I think of just really vivid moments last year, when I, Joshua Kelly was my first draft pick and he was projected to go in like the sixth or seventh round going into the pre-draft season. And he ended up going in the fourth round. And on top of that, he went to UCLA. Ooh. Oh, yeah, which home state. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And stayed with the Chargers. So it was just this really cool moment where you're like, something bigger is happening here. Yeah. And seeing that was really cool for me. That's like a tangible thing I can point to that me and my team helped a guy move up two or three rounds, which, you know, is hundreds of thousands of dollars in signing bonus difference, mm-hmm. which for a lot of people is life changing money. Yeah. That's something I'm really proud of. Just the whole start to finish job we did. With 
with him. But I'm also just proud of the way that my company has built itself. Uh, we're really big on honesty and integrity and we don't cut corners. And in this business, it's really, it is dirty. We've chosen to do things the right way. And we've still built this really, really successful thriving agency. And we're very well respected in the industry. I mean, anybody that signs with us, they understand that when they tell teams, I'm with Carrick Sports, that it holds weight and we sign a certain character of player. So they already know like, oh, this kid's a hard worker. He's a good kid. He's going to, you know, respect his coaches because we have a really high threshold. Everyone thinks of this business as clients choosing us, which it mostly is, but we also choose them and we won't sign a bad kid. This job is too hard to do it for people who don't appreciate it or who will cause more headaches than there already are. So I'm just proud that I'm a part of something like that. Cause like I said, in the beginning, I was the first employee he hired and it's been almost six years now. And we've, I think almost doubled our clients, but beyond that, you know, we just, I think had our best year, you know, profit wise, especially coming off COVID. And it makes me <laughs> proud also to, to know that my boss started this in 2008 and I got to help him, you know, kind of make his dream come true of working for himself and creating an agency that he's proud of. That's incredible. Thanks for sharing that. I'm kind of curious because it seems like a lot of your job, you're amplifying other people's lives, but how do you kind of amplify yourself before you go into that room and make that contract? Because that sounds nerve wracking. I actually have a meeting playlist that I play. Oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> well, give us, give us a jam. <laughs> Those are kind of my, you know, Super Bowl moments when I go into a, a meeting with a prospective client, because just to get the meeting is so hard, especially mm. as a woman, because although I said all those good things about the industry earlier, I do think a lot of guys look at their phone when I say, hi, my name is Molly McMahon, me, or they get my DM on Twitter, or Instagram, mm. and they immediately probably say, nah, and I just mm. don't get a response that I'm sure that happens. Mm -hmm. So to get the meeting, I mean, I know I shine in person. <laughs> so I'm like, this last year was tough because I didn't get to do that mm -hmm. because of COVID. It was all on Zoom. But I know if they meet with me, I'm at least going to be in the mix. They're going to like me. So I, pr I pray I listen to music. I do like to get a workout in before any important meeting because I just feel like a better person after I sweat. It's not always possible because sometimes, you know, meetings are super early or I'm on an early flight. I also, <laughs> this, but I look in the mirror and I tell myself that I am their agent. You are Joshua Kelly's agent. You are Dwayne Johnson Jr.'s agent. And I just like repeat it until I believe it. So then I walk into the meeting already kind of acting like their agent, you know, and then you don't have that desperate salesy vibe going you have more of just the no like this is what you're gonna do vibe <laughs> I love it I feel like a lot of people we've been there's a lot of this manifestation that's going on yeah. in people's own minds like the communication in their own head that's like you're creating already the thing that you're gonna go and get and your your, the, your drive sounds like I would be afraid to compete with you is probably why I ran before <laughs> I wanted to talk to you and I mean I that in the best I mean that in the best way it's a total compliment it really does work though, because it, it, you start to feel like, okay, what would this feel like if I really was? And so when you sit in that feeling, it does kind of propel you into it and re to reality. And so the whole manifestation thing, you know, it, I think it works because if you already are sitting in that and you are acting like that, they almost have no choice, but to be like, wait, maybe she is my agent. <laughs> you know, I just, <laughs> I, I just, I fool them into it. <laughs>
So what I'm hearing is you play offense and don't worry about defense at all. You have to. Because I don't hear anything defensive about your prep. Your prep is like, what am I going to do out here? What plays am I going to do? What, where am I going? And what am I going to make happen? That's a really uh, good point because a lot of agents actually spend their meeting time talking bad about other agencies or other agents. Mm -hmm. And we make it a big point to not do that. Because if I have to talk about other people, that means I don't have enough to, to sell you on myself. And so we, we stay away from that. And we there's so much, they call it smut, thrown around in this business. And I vowed from day one to never do that. If I ever get to the point where I have to spend my time just bringing someone else down, I'm not doing then what I need to do, you know, in, in the background to be a good agent. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Always just playing offense and throwing all my cards onto the table. If I get beat still because of that, I'm fine with that. But I actually have had every single one of my clients I've signed has told me that the other agents that they told no to said something negative about me or my agency. Oh. And they all said at that moment, they knew they made the right decision because mm -hmm. they said, you never said anything bad about anyone. So when they did that, they knew that they had a good, their gut was right. Sometimes in competition or in life, you're moving through like, I want to be the best, best, best competing with yourself and growing yourself. And if you're developing, then you're growing. It's not about having to like walk on people to get there, I guess. Yeah. I always say, especially when it comes to women in this business, that there's enough for us all to be successful. Even with the men, I've, I do know a lot of great men in this business, my boss included, and there's some really great agents out there and I root for them and their clients because there really is enough space for us all to be successful at this. It will always get back to them too. It always gets back to me. And so yeah. it just, it just is a bad look. <laughs> yeah. Would you say the NFL, as big as it is, is it a small world then? Oh, yeah. Seems like it would be a really big world. It's really not because the other thing is 10% of the agents represent 90% of the clients. Mm. Oh. That's about, you know, 80-ish agents that represent most of the NFL. So it's the same people over and over who you see. And word travels very fast because someone always has incentive to bring someone else down. So I might even find out someone else is saying something bad about me because that agent, you know, wants to take the other agent down. Mm -hmm. so you really have to like have good character to, to not get a bad rep in this business. I appreciate what sounds like a very high moral compass and code of ethics that you live by. And I think it's inspiring to everyone. Do you feel like you have to be a representative and speak out about being a woman in this industry? Or does your work, like, does it speak enough? Or do you feel like you still need to sort of be an advocate for women in sports and keep talking about it? I think it's important to be vocal, especially because, I mean, I don't have like huge social media platforms, but between the two platforms, I have about 10 and 11,000 followers. I do think it's our job to amplify each other, maybe not defend each other or get defensive, but amplify their successes, make sure people know women are behind a lot of the great things that are happening in football. When it comes to this job specifically, I absolutely hope my work just speaks for itself. The biggest responsibility that I have as a woman because of the small group is that every time a GM or a coach or someone in the business interacts with me, they're going to take away from that, that this is probably how women are. So if I don't come to a negotiation prepared and I'm the only woman agent they've ever worked with on a contract, 
they're going to leave thinking women don't know what they're doing in negotiations. Hmm. And that's not fair, but I do hold that responsibility very highly when I do these things, because I know that I could be the first, or I might be the first in a while. And they might not speak to one for a long time after that, because there are only, you know, 15, 20 of us that have a client. We can be excited about women getting these jobs all we want. But I think most people who are advocating for women in sports are advocating for women who are qualified to get these jobs Mm -hmm. and then women who do a good job to be recognized for it. Do people expect you to engage in like masculine styles of communication? Is that expected of you? Yeah, like I've had to work on being more assertive and coming across as a confident expert in things, even though I know I am. There is something to be said about why men have been successful in this business. And I think a lot of it is the way that they communicate. Don't necessarily view it as a negative. My job in coming into this business, and I don't shake it up if I just adapt to everything that already is. I do also try to be my feminine self and make sure that I am changing something about this and showing people that you can be nurturing and gentle and kind and understanding and still be successful in this. For most of them in their life, the person that got stuff done was a woman whether that was their mom, a girlfriend, a wife, a sister, pretty much every single player that I've recruited, a woman has been really big in their decision-making process. I'm trying to lean more into that and less into conforming because if I just become another one of the boys, I've done nothing to change not only the industry, but the perception of it. You don't have to sound like a man. Mm -hmm. Boom. So let's say someone was listening to this podcast and it was We could even say it was you as a younger person. What advice would you give someone who's like 16-year-old Molly? Well, I would say, first off, be open-minded. So if this is what you want to do now, be open to the idea it's going to change. I had a really good professor tell me that success is not a straight line from A to B. It zigzags a lot. (laughs) That's true. Um, (laughs) And that has stuck with me. And not only has it stuck with me, but it completely comes true throughout the course of your education and your life. So if you are in high school or you're in college and you think you have this thing that you have to do, still be open-minded. If you get so stuck on this idea that you might miss other doors that open, and that could be actually what's going to make you happy and you're really good at this business is not what you know, it's who you know to get into it. There's so many smart people out there that probably know the CBA back and forth that will never get hired because they don't know the right people. Whether it's selling tickets at Angel Stadium or selling concessions at the Ram Stadium, just work in sports, do whatever you can, because you never know who you're going to meet. What if you sell something to an agent and he really likes you and then now you have a contact at an agency Agents are at games all the time. You can't be above anything and you can't close your mind to opportunities, even if they're not in sports, because you just really never know where life is going to take you. So what's next, Molly? What, what happens after this? Do you have some thoughts about the future? Or you just live in life and not worry about the future? This business is, is a lot. And I, I don't know one agent, unfortunately, that's a woman that has kids. So I would love to be the first that does and Get show that you can do it. I certainly won't quit this job because of that. But I also know that 
there's bigger things in life than being an agent. I would be open to my life zigging and zagging a million more times. I just take it year by year. It goes by so fast that it's kind of silly to make any sort of five or 10 year plan because everything could change. I could land the number one overall pick next year and become a multimillionaire and the trajectory of what I need to do to be successful could change. Sounds like you travel a lot and meet a lot of different people. Is it a fun job? Do you have a lot of fun? It is fun. There's so much about this job that is heavy and exhausting. There's, I would say there's more lows than highs for the most part, but the fun stuff is really fun. I mean, every year I'm at the combine and I look around, I'll be at a restaurant and there'll be the Cardinals head coach and the Saints head coach and you know, the Vikings GM, all people that I've been seeing on TV my entire life and former players. And I sit there and I realize I'm not just here in the same place as them. I'm here and I'm really doing this. Mm. I belong. I'm, yeah. I'm here because I have clients and I do have fun in those moments where I really sit and remind myself what I'm actually doing and how 16 year old or even 21 year old Molly in college would have been just so excited about the future if, mm. if she knew. And then of course, yeah, like the draft is so stressful, but it's so fun at the end. There's nothing like seeing those guys see their dreams come true. And I have to remind myself to not become numb to it because I do this every year. And remember that for every guy that we represent, it's a lifelong dream, not just for them, but their family. Like so few mm. guys make it this far. And I'm so used to it, but I can't ever become so numb that I don't remember or I don't realize the magnitude of the moment for each particular client. And that keeps it fun. Even like going to the client's first game, you just sit there and think about what their family's thinking. And you have to sometimes remind yourself and take a step back. But yes, it's fun. I'll never deny that. (laughs) I love the zest you bring to the table. That's exciting. One of the things that that I would just circle back to is this idea of trading comfort for growth. And what I've heard so much of what you've talked about is that you're doing that on the minute. Yeah. That yeah. it's not and even not even an option to to be comfortable, really. Yeah. And it's so worth it because I think of times, I mean, it's like an up and down thing with this job. Some days I'm, you know, oh my gosh, am I gonna keep doing this or other days I'm on top of the world. And like, you know, I talked about when Joshua got drafted, I just remember looking back in that moment. Cause unfortunately, of course I get my first draft pick when the world is completely shut down. Like not even when it was semi open, this was when everyone was in full blown lockdown last April. I couldn't even go out to dinner to celebrate. And I'm so exhausted always at the end of the draft. And I came home and I like, or my sister was so sweet. She sent me food. And I was like having a glass of wine by myself, just like sitting in silence because I was so overwhelmed with the congrats and all like the the happiness of it. And I had this like emotional moment of just remembering all the times I thought I didn't belong or I wanted to give up or I felt like I wasn't doing what I was supposed to do. And I just was like, that was all worth it to get to this moment right here. And now I try to bottle that up and keep that with me when I'm in those lows and just remember that you know, usually you feel that way right before something really great is about to happen. So you kind of got to hang on until you have that breakthrough. Thanks for sharing your badassery with us. Oh, I love that. I appreciate it. Anytime. (laughs) Well, there you have it. True badassery. Thank you, Molly, for sharing your journey with us. We look forward to following your career as an NFL agent and a VP at Carrick Sports. 
We are also excited to see the difference that you make in the lives of your players. So to our audience, thank you for joining us today. Please remember to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. And thank you for listening to Asking for a Friend. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Our email is hello at afafpodcast.com. This show is for educational purposes only and is copyrighted. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting. Thanks for listening to Asking for a Friend with Talk Talk.